He's a man who thinks, if I have the perfect lawn, if I only have a better lawn, uh, then I'll be content, then my life will be complete. And what happens as he pursues that dream? Well, he becomes enslaved. Uh, Instead of having dominion over the grass, uh, the lawn begins to dominate him, and it ends up costing him everything. Uh, Now, we might look at a video like that and we might laugh. Uh, We would never be so stupid. We would never go to such lengths to pursue a dream, to pursue something as fickle as a lawn. But what about a job? What about a lifestyle? What about a mortgage? How far would you go to serve a mortgage? Uh, What lengths do you go to, to, to fit in, to get the approval of others? How obsessed are you at finding that relationship uh, that you really want or keeping it? Or maybe like me, how hard do you find it to walk away from a conflict uh, without fighting? Uh, To walk away risking that your reputation and your pride might not be kept intact. See, we're not as free as we like to think we are. Uh, We're enslaved to the opinions of others. We're trapped often by our financial circumstances. We're bound by our fears and our pride. And so this morning, as we uh, begin this series, we're going to ask the question, hey, Jesus, how can I really be free? Uh, like I said before, uh, the answer might be surprising. It might, uh, we might be surprised to see that Jesus actually has a more satisfying, a, a better answer than the world around us and a better answer than what we might even expect to hear from his lips. So, hey, Jesus, how can I really be free? How can I not be a slave to anything? And I think Jesus is actually a pretty great guy to ask this question. Uh, He's a great guy to ask this question because freedom is actually what Jesus is all about. Uh, Setting people free is exactly why Jesus said that he came. Uh, Jesus said these words in John chapter 8. John chapter 8, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, right from the outset, Jesus is offering freedom. He's offering us freedom that comes from knowing the truth, the truth about ourselves and the truth about him. And so when it comes to freedom, the truth actually really matters. The truth is really important if we want freedom. Uh, We can't be free if we're living a lie. We can't be free if we're in the dark. We can only be free if we know the truth, the truth about ourselves and the truth about Jesus. And the, the tragic truth about ourselves is that we're not as free as we like to think we are. Uh, tragically, in New Zealand today, there are people who are enslaved. Uh, according to the experts that know, there, there, there's an estimate of about 800 people in New Zealand who are in some form of slavery. And that's, that's shocking. Young boys and girls who've fallen victims to the horrific Uh, practice of sex trafficking. There are migrant workers who've been uh, conned into kind of grossly unfair work arrangements. They've had their passports confiscated, uh, all with the promise of a better life. Uh, There's the issue of child brides who've been subjected to arranged marriages and have lost all their freedom and their future. And it's, it's shocking and appalling that this sort of slavery might be happening here in New Zealand in 2022. But there wouldn't be any slaves in this room, would there, today? Well, maybe. Because Jesus says, uh, Jesus gives us the truth about ourselves. Jesus says, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. In John chapter 8. 
Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And now in the Bible, sin is swapping God for anything that is not God. Uh, when we put someone or something at the center of our lives instead of the creator God, the loving God who made us. And if, if we put that thing at the center of our lives and we start to live for that thing and we love that thing and we devote all our energy and spend our money on that thing and make sacrifices for that thing, if that thing is the thing that we find ourselves daydreaming about, if, if that thing is anything other than God, that's what the Bible calls as sin. Another word the Bible uses is idolatry, taking a good thing and making it a God thing. And Jesus says, if you do that, then you are actually enslaved. Anyone who sins is a slave to sin. And you might want to respond to that and go, really? I'm not a slave. I'm, I'm free to live as I want, how I want. But how free are we really? Really, are we as free as we'd like to be? Uh, here's an example. Uh, we all instinctively know uh, that we ought to treat others the way that we want to be treated ourselves, right? We, we all know that. But let me challenge you. Try to live a single day like that. Try to live a single day without any unkindness or impatience or lack of generosity. Because to be honest, if you're anything like me, it's just not going to happen, is it? Uh, it might start well, uh, but then there's a defiant small human being who refuses to get dressed. And then you're going to be late for, for, for school and then for work. Or even when you're on your way to work, someone cuts you off in the traffic or, or someone takes your seat on the bus. Or that person in the office has let you down again. Or there's that opportunity to spin the situation so that's in your favor. If you just bend the truth a little bit. Or you've got that juicy bit of gossip, that info about someone else, and you can't just you just can't help but slip it to another friend. So it changes the way that they're going to think about that person. Or you come home at night and there's that elderly neighbor who you know could really do with a hand. But rather than stopping and checking on them, you just drive into the garage and close the door. And that's just the small stuff of day-to-day -day life, right? Sin is something that we keep on doing, even when we know it's wrong, even when we know it's damaging ourselves and others. Uh, it's like we can't help ourselves. It's like we're enslaved to it. Even Paul, the writer of uh, kind of half the New Testament, he said this in Romans chapter 7. He said, For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. You see, Jesus diagnoses the problem for us. He tells us the truth about ourselves. It's because we're not free. It's because we're actually slaves to sin. And so we ask, hey, Jesus, how can I really be free? And, and that's the question. Is there any way that we can be free? But the truth that Jesus comes back to is that we are slaves to sin. We are slaves to sin. But the truth about God, the truth about Jesus, is that he is the one who has come to bring freedom for us. You see, the God of the Bible, he's in the business of bringing freedom. He's been doing it for thousands and thousands of years, even thousands of years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. You see, in one of the earliest stories in the Bible, in the book of Exodus, God sets his people free. Uh, we read about it earlier when, um, when uh, we had the Bible read. Uh, God's people, the Israelites, you probably know the story, they were enslaved in Egypt. 
they were in literal physical slavery. Uh, they'd become so numerous that the Egyptians were scared that the Israelites would rise up and rebel. And so under the instructions of Pharaoh, the Egyptians made the Israelites work as their slaves. And Exodus chapter 1, uh, it says this in verse 8, it says, Then a new king, whom Joseph meant nothing, who, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies and fight against us and leave the country. So verse 11, they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. Now, this wasn't a week or two of boot camp. Um, this went on for 400 years. Whole generations knew nothing but birth, slavery and death. But the God who brings freedom, he intervenes. See, this is the truth about God we need to remember. God brings freedom. Uh, Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, we read, uh, During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned, out, groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help, because of their slavery, went up to God. God, hearing their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham with Isaac and Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. You see, God, he hears, his, he hears their cries and God is going to do something about it. And so uh, if you know the story, God sends a leader, a guy called Moses, uh, and God tells Moses to go to the Egyptian king and demand the freedom of his people. And if you know the story, predictably, Pharaoh refuses. And so he, push, he punishes Israel by making their slavery even harder and their situation even more desperate. And in response to that, God sends a series of disasters on Egypt, these, these plagues. Uh, these plagues are there to uh, help Pharaoh uh, kind of punish him and, and to prompt him to release the Israelites, to release God's people. And the shocking thing is, is that every time Pharaoh is, uh, one of these plagues is coming, Pharaoh promises to release uh, the people from slavery. But each time, despite the plague, each time Pharaoh goes back on his word. And another plague comes. And it seems crazy. These plagues are destroying Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's country. Uh, he keeps saying he's going to release them, but he keeps going back on his word. Why does he keep doing it? Well, because the Israelites are not the only ones in chains here. Pharaoh is in chains too. You see, Pharaoh is in slavery to his sin. Like us, he keeps doing, keeps doing it even when he knows it's wrong, even when he knows it's destroying himself and destroying others. It's like an addiction for him. The more he does it, the harder it becomes for him to stop. And this becomes a picture of how sin affects us as well. Uh, like Pharaoh, we, we think that sin is something that we're free to choose, that we can walk away from whenever we want. But when we try to walk away, we find that we can't. We try to live a single day treating others as we want to be treated ourselves and we find that we just can't do it. You see, nobody thinks they're a slave until they try, and take the, until they try to take the chains off. You see, after a while, sin isn't just something that we do, but after a while, sin starts to do us. That's what the Bible means when it says that Pharaoh's heart became hardened. The more we sin, the more desensitized we become to it, the more comfortable we become with it. It just becomes part of who we are and how we do things. And it seems that nothing can free the Israelites here. Nine plagues have come and gone and Pharaoh keeps resisting. And so God says in Exodus chapter 11, I will bring one more plague on Egypt. 
and after that, Pharaoh will let you go. And see, God wants us to understand that nothing less than what is about to take place here, nothing less than this will be enough to break the power of sin and and set people free. See, because Pharaoh refuses to release the people from slavery, God warns that the firstborn son of every family will die. But God also offers a way for this judgment to be avoided. God tells each Israelite family to slaughter a lamb and to dab some of the blood from the lamb on the doorposts of their house. And God says in Exodus chapter 12, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch, will touch you when I strike Egypt. But you see what's going on here. The death of a lamb is a stand-in, a substitute for the firstborn son. The lamb dies so that the people don't have to. The lamb takes the judgment that they would otherwise receive so that they can go free, so they can be free from slavery. And so the plague, it falls as promised. In every house that didn't have blood on the doorframe, the eldest son dies. As a result, Pharaoh is broken and he tells the people that they can leave. God's people were enslaved 400 years. And then finally, 600,000 men, women and children uh, were free. And how were they free? Well, they were free by the blood of a slaughtered lamb. Now, some of us might think, really, a farmyard animal deals with the judgment that sin deserves? Well, no, of course not. The sacrifice of that Passover lamb, it was a sign. It was a sign that was pointing forward to a much greater sacrifice. A a greater lamb was coming and a much greater liberation, a greater freedom than was promised. And so we fast forward 1,500 years to the time of Jesus and a man called John the Baptist sees Jesus. And here's what John says about Jesus in in John's gospel, chapter 1. He says, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What does John mean here? He he meant here is the greater lamb, the better lamb of God, the one who would not just merely deal with the literal physical slavery that Egypt uh, had imposed on God's people, but here is the lamb that will deal with the deeper slavery, the deeper slavery that we have to sin. Because although God freed the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, like us, they weren't free from their slavery to sin. They still needed this greater lamb to deliver from that, to to free them from that. And so do we. And you can see that the Israelites, they were still enslaved to their sin because although they had physically left Egypt, although the physical chains had come off, amazingly, their hearts were still back there. Our freedom from physical slavery hadn't solved that greater problem. See, when they were in the wilderness, uh, they were in the wilderness and they were working their way towards the promised land, the land flowing of milk and honey that God was leading them to. But on the way there, they were not happy. They started to grumble. Uh, In Numbers 11, it says uh, that they they complained to God and they said, if only we had meat to eat, if only we were back in Egypt, if only we had never left Egypt, then then everything would have been fine. If only things were the way that they they used to be. If only we were enslaved again, is pretty much what they're saying. And we're the same. Those two words, if only, they reveal where our hearts are too. If only, that actually reveals who our God really is. Those two words, if only, will reveal what 
thing enslaves us. The thing that we ruthlessly work, the thing that ruthlessly works us without mercy. And so what's your if only? If only I had the perfect lawn. I don't know if you're like that guy. I just couldn't, I just couldn't maintain that level of intensity. Um, that's a bit of a silly one, but what about you? If only I was married. If only I had more respect from the people around me. If only I had more money. If only I had more leisure time. If only I had more friends. If only I had a better relationship with my kids. If only I had better health, a better body, a better job. If only you fill in the blank. What is the thing that you think is going to really set you free? That's going to really make your life worth living? Bob Dylan sang the song. He said, you're going to have to serve somebody. The if only is the thing that you serve. And if that somebody or something is anything other than God, it's just going to keep us in chains. Uh, some people think that submitting their life to God would be a form of slavery, that that's the ultimate level of uh, being uh, enslaved. Uh, we buy the Disney picture of freedom. We want to sing with Elsa, right? We want to sing, it's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I am free. What's next? Yeah, there we go. I'm glad some of you didn't burst out into song there because that would have been a little bit awkward. That's right. Uh, we, we think in a world, we think we, we, we think we live in a world where letting it go, we're, we're letting go of God, we're letting go of rules and restrictions. That is the way to true freedom. That to submit to any God, to submit to any, any rules, uh, to, to, to obey anyone, that's, that's actually a picture of slavery. But it really depends on who your God is. If your God is merciless, if your God is ruthless, if your God has, is insatiable for power, if your God is always demanding that you work harder and harder and make more and more sacrifices, then of course you will be miserable. Now, one of the most ruthless gods of our age has to be the God of greed, a merciless God. Uh, I heard uh, that shortly after the financial crisis in 2008, there was this tragic string of suicides. Um, the chief financial officer of uh, Freddie Mac, the second largest lender in America, hung himself in his basement. The chief executive of Sheldon Good, a leading auction firm, shot himself in the head behind his red, the wheel of his red Jaguar. Uh, a French money manager who invested uh, money for uh, many of the European royal families uh, lost $1.4 billion of his client's money. Uh, he slit his wrists in his New York office. There were drug overdoses. There were people who threw, them off, they threw themselves off their high-rise buildings. These, these captains of industry, these kings of Wall Street, these people who had the world at their feet, well, it all came crashing down around them. And as it came crashing down, so did they. Their God of greed, their God of wealth, their God of power had worked them ruthlessly and then let them down. It had let them down in despair. They had lost their ultimate thing. They had lost their if only. And when you lose that ultimate thing, when you lose the source of your meaning and your hope, 
when you lose that or when you find out it's not going to satisfy, it's always going to let you down, then it just breaks your spirit. But what if we could be freed from these if-onlys? What if we could be devoted to a God that rather than demanding sacrifices of us, what if we could be devoted to a God who sacrifices himself for us? What if our God, the God that we serve, is merciful and gentle? What if he offers to bear your burdens for you? What if he fully empathizes with, your, with you and your weakness? What if he understands the temptations that you face? What if your God chooses to lay down his power, his freedom, his life in order to serve you? Uh, back in the day, a, a ransom price was the price you paid to set a slave free. Uh, and Jesus Christ, God the Son, said that he gave his life as a ransom for many. You see, the original Passover lamb was sacrificed to free God's people from slavery in Egypt. But Jesus, the better Passover lamb, he sacrifices himself for our slavery to sin. And so when you look at Jesus' life and his death, you see what kind of God that he is. We see the truth about him. His power was extraordinary, but he never used it to abuse or exploit others. He used it to serve them. He used it to bring freedom for them. And when we worship a God like this, then we can truly be free. Free from our if only that enslaves us. And now our if only becomes something like this. If only I could serve Jesus better. If only I could serve others as well as he did. If only I could become more like, them, more like him. And if all you want to do with your life is to serve Jesus, and when you do that, you are truly free. Because you're not serving your own personal Pharaoh. You're serving the God who gives you everything to set you free. You see, Jesus said these words. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said, I have come to proclaim freedom to the prisoner, to set the oppressed free. Jesus said, everyone who, is a slave to, everyone who sins is a slave to sin, but if I set you free, you'll be free indeed. So, hey, Jesus, how can I really be free? Jesus answers, if you follow me, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are dominated and enslaved by so many things. But we thank you that you offer us the truth about ourselves. That we're enslaved to sin. And Father, we thank you that you offer us the truth about yourself, that you have come to set us free. So Lord, we come to Jesus, the Passover lamb, the lamb who died so that we could be free. Lord, make us free in him. And we pray all these things in his name. Amen. Uh, the band are going to come up and lead us uh, in our next song, which we're going to use as a response to what we've heard in God's words. Uh, we're going to uh, sing these words together. Free at last, he has ransomed me. His grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. Who the Son sets free, oh, is free indeed. Uh, let's praise the God who has set us free from slavery to sin in Jesus.